by the power of the Holy Spirit working through word and sacrament. Then we hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. My friends, it's just that simple. It's in the divine service that he's there for you, that he delivers the forgiveness. That's where he promises forgiveness will be. Uh, And so that's why it's so important uh, to be in church. We long that God would answer the prayer when we pray, deliver us from evil. Get me out of here. Get me out of this sin-filled world. And that is Jesus Christ uh, who says, Do not count their sin against them, for my blood has paid the price for that. Now on 95.7 FM, it's Proclaiming the One with Pastor Clint Poppy and Pastor Adam Moline from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome once again to Proclaiming the One. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Oline, we're privileged to serve the saints here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We are excited to be able to bring you each week the uh, uh, a review of the upcoming readings, a review to help you prepare for your worship service, and we pray that God would richly bless us in uh, that respect as we look today at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. The third Sunday of Easter. Pastor Moline, how are you this great day? I am doing very well. A little bit of a cold, but that uh, that's not going to slow us down any. No, no, <laughs> no. And uh, colds and allergies this time of the year, that's kind of a, a natural thing. But uh, we know that we have a Lord who takes care of us, a Lord who uh, loves us with an everlasting love, a Lord who is our good shepherd. Now, some people would uh, title this third Sunday of Easter in the one-year series as Good Shepherd Sunday. Um, It is and it isn't. There is a uh, Latin term for today, as there are Latin terms for all of the uh, Sundays in the Easter season. And this Latin term is uh, miscordius domini. Miscordius domini. And it literally means the steadfast love of the Lord. That chesed word that we've talked about so many times on this radio program again. This is the steadfast love of the Lord Sunday. And in many respects, the steadfast love of the Lord is typified by the image of the Good Shepherd. Pastor, our uh, introit for Good Shepherd or Miscordius Domini Sunday is a portion of Psalm 33. Now, before you read the words, wouldn't it seem to you that if we were going to truly have a Good Shepherd Sunday, that the introit would be Psalm 23? Well, and in the three-year lectionary, it oftentimes is uh, to go with Good Shepherd Sunday. Uh, and so, yes, it does make sense that that would be the case. And um, and yet that's not what we have in the one-year series, the more um, historic uh, lectionary, if you will. Uh, and we actually have a different one. Yes, and Good Shepherd Sunday in the three-year series is always the fourth Sunday of Easter, not the third Sunday of Easter, too. So um, if you uh, go to a church that uses the three-year series, uh, you'll be two weeks ahead with regard to our Good Shepherd discussion. Pastor, the introit for the third Sunday of Easter. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Alleluia. 
By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. Alleluia. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. 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 We have a uh, a great word picture here in these words of Psalm 33. Might not be what you were thinking of or expecting with regard to this uh, good shepherd imagery, but the image is really this steadfast love of the Lord. And, Pastor, uh Give us your best shot to talk about the steadfast love of the Lord. How would you define that chesed word that is so often used in the Old Testament? Well, uh, steadfast, of course, constant, non-ending, never dimming or wavering at all. It's always there. And then that idea of love, I can't help but think uh, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as a propitiatory uh, sacrifice for sin. And so uh, whenever we talk about love of the Lord, we have to go to Jesus. The love of the Lord manifest in Jesus. Uh, give me a an English word that would best summarize steadfast love the way we're using it here. Can Boy, you do it? Yeah. Um, off the top of my head here today, you know, I, you probably have one in mind, and I'm not going to think of it, I don't think. Oh, you can't read my mind? I try and try, but uh, it is a futile effort. Well, by by saying what you just said, you just proved my point, that there is no one single word in the English that can summarize it. It is grace. It is love. It is gospel. It is uh, mercy. It is pretty much everything that Jesus is and Jesus does righteousness, just, I mean, all these things wrapped into one goofy little Hebrew word that is the steadfast love of the Lord. And the beautiful thing about that is you can count on that love, on that steadfast love of the Lord through thick and through thin. And that's really where we're, uh, where we're going and what we're getting at with our readings here for the third Sunday of Easter, but especially with the introit. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Explain that to me. Does that mean everybody believes? Does that mean that everybody has faith in this uh, good shepherd Jesus? How or in what way is the earth full of the steadfast love of the Lord? No, it does not mean that everyone believes or has faith, but rather uh, it's a promise that no matter where you are or what's going on, that the love of God is still there with you, uh, especially to those who believe. Uh, for those who don't believe, if you're in a place, a difficult place, and uh, uh, there's no place that God can't find you and bring you to faith um, through his word and through his sacraments, it means that God is ever-present uh, uh, help in any time of trouble. Okay. Uh, could it also be a reference, Pastor, and I'm just shooting from the hip here. Could it also be a reference to objective justification? I think it definitely could. Um, 
and uh, that is the the way Scripture speaks. For example, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, and that's the kind of the reality that exists. And I tried to mention that a little bit in that uh, last answer. Um, God is ever present, and He's never. You're never in a spot where He can't create or sustain faith in you. Uh, through his word and through his sacrament. And so it's not like, um, you know, like Jonah thought that, uh, well, if I go over to Tarshish, then I can get away from God. Uh, That's not the way God works. He's everywhere. His love is everywhere. His grace is everywhere. Uh, And you can't escape that um, uh, if you try to. We're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, uh, you know, the fact that God is everywhere. Is that good news or bad news? We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the introit here. But um, this uh, this opening line of our uh, introit, the antiphon from Psalm 33, the second half of verse 5 and the first half of verse 6, the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Now, we've made mention also on this program, uh, especially with regard to the introits, with regard to the creation of the world and how sometimes we as Bible-believing Christians in the 21st century were afraid of creation. We don't want to uh, confess creation. And what a, uh, what a terrible problem and what a terrible uh, witness that is to the truth of God's Word. But here today, I want to go in a little bit different direction. If we look at the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord as objective justification, where there is no place that you can go where Christ has not paid the penalty for sin, And that next line, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Well, not only were the heavens made by the word of the Lord, individual faith is created by the creator, the one who calls us to faith. Objective justification, Christ has paid for the sins of the whole world. Subjective justification is when the individual Christian apprehends or grasps this gospel promise by grace through faith. God creates faith through the word. I heard a, an illustration a while back, and I want to bounce it off of you guys. The atmosphere is made out of about 75 to 85% water. That's, you know, Google, you know, whatever. So roughly, go to Wikipedia. You can check out the exact number, what scientists guess. If I want to drink a water... I don't go to the atmosphere. I go to the water fountain where God delivers this water that's all around. Now, every analogy breaks down at some point in time, but I thought that was a pretty good one with regard to objective and subjective justification. Now, I want to go a little bit later in our uh, uh, introit here, Psalm 33, where it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. The eye of the Lord. Vicar, Vicar just joined us. This will be a great way to do a mic test here too. Uh, Vicar, the eye of the Lord is upon me. Is that good news or bad news? That's good news. Because if God's eye is upon you, am I coming up? Okay. (laughs) If God's eye is upon you, then that means his face is shining upon you. Just like what uh, the pastor will say at the end of the divine service, 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. That's good for us. God is watching over us like a faithful parent watches over his children. It's bad when God turns his back to us, when he turns away from us, when we sin and fall away from him. Because if God's back is turned towards us, then we are in his judgment. And so when his eye is upon us, the sinner in me wants to say, oh, that's not good. He can see everything that I'm doing wrong. But the new creation that has been made by God through baptism in me says, thank you, Lord, for watching over me and guiding me with your word. So everything you just said, Vicar, is true of the Christian. What about those who are apart from Christ, who have no faith in the good shepherd, Jesus? Pastor, uh, the eye of the Lord is on them. Good, yeah. news, good news or bad news? Well, uh, it can be both, and, and I think this is what you're driving at is, uh, it is a little terrifying, too, to think about the fact that when you're doing something naughty, uh, God is there and sees you doing that as well. In fact, I think um, one of our confirmation papers talked about this, that when the, the kid said he did something bad, he tried to hide from his parents. Um, that's that's a reality of being sinful people in this world as well. Uh, and apart from faith, um, it's terrifying to know that God sees the things you do wrong. Good news, bad news, God sees all that we do. That means you can't run and can't hide. God sees all that we do. It means that there is no sin that he does not know about that Christ Jesus hasn't paid for. So thanks be to God for the way God works. Thanks be to God for the blessings that he gives to us in and through the Good Shepherd, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Proclaiming the One. We're looking at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. We need to take a short break. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNA. LP 95.7 FM Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Proclaiming the One. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Oline, Vicar Albert Bader joined us about halfway through that last segment. We had to, uh, due to some scheduling things, we had to uh, get started without him here. But uh, we are glad to have you back, Vicar. Welcome aboard for this, the third Sunday of Easter. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're paying you to be here, too. Well, so, of course. So that helps. But... Um, uh, we're looking at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. Pastor, before we get into the gospel reading, um, I have often wondered, and we, and we see some of this in the one-year readings in the church, or I mean in the three-year series in the church, but I've often wondered why we don't spend more time during the Easter season with the post-resurrection event, 
the uh, the many times when Jesus showed himself alive during the 40 days after the resurrection and before the ascension is that just kind of a given here uh what what's your theory on uh, why the one year series intentionally we do a lot of that within uh, the the first several days after the resurrection of Jesus, and then the second Sunday of Easter, we have the doubting Thomas whole thing. So that's Easter night, but then we kind of go away from it. Well, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head there. For example, um, planning uh, for Easter time, uh, the Tuesday after Easter has one of those uh, Jesus appearances and resurrection. Um, things and I think that they get taken uh, in those days immediately after Easter and then uh, to cover as much scripture as possible in the one year uh, it moves on to other things uh, afterwards and working its way through other places in the Gospel of St. John uh, and that's to try and cover as much scripture as possible uh, in that one year lectionary series. So read the most important parts. So it's not so much that we need to continue to have a uh, a defense of Jesus with regard to the truthfulness or the veracity of the resurrection. We have other themes in Scripture that build upon that resurrection, and this Good Shepherd theme is one of them. We want to take a look now at the Gospel reading, John 10. And John 10 is oftentimes referred to as the Good Shepherd chapter. There's a lot of stuff in John 10 in addition to the Good Shepherd. But John 10, 11 to 16. Vicar? Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them up and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Okay, we have some uh, interesting words here. And John 10 amazingly comes right before John 11. And John 11, uh, while there are are comments in uh, John 10 about Jesus laying down his life and then picking it back up again, John 11 goes on where where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so this is all this is all tied together. But today we have this good shepherd imagery and it says what a good shepherd does. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No uh, no human shepherd would ever do anything crazy like that that's just uh that's that's nuts that's bonkers and then he starts uh in verse 12 with this discourse that doesn't seem to fit pastor help us make some sense out of this he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep what are we talking about here who is this hired hand who cares nothing for the sheep a hired hand who when the wolf comes instead of laying down his life for the sheep skeedaddles 
there's lots of things that one can think of. Um, first off, I mean, we kind of understand the idea here. If you don't own the sheep and you have no vested interest in it and you're getting paid, you know, um, $20 an hour to watch a sheep, you don't really care if all of them survive or not, especially if it puts your own life on the line. You just let the uh, the wolf pick off a couple of them uh, rather than get in a fight with the wolf, and you still get your pay and everything is fine. Uh, you ask the question, who's the the um, sheep or the, the hired hand who flees when the sheep are in trouble? You know, you also think back to uh, the last king of Judah who, when uh, the opportunity arose, tried to escape from... Uh, uh, Jerusalem when Nebuchadnezzar was sieging it, and he got caught, of course, but he, he tried to run away uh, and rather than stay there and defend his own flock. You can think of pastors the same way. When the going gets tough, the pastor gets going elsewhere. Uh, you know, lots of times we see that happen as well. Well, I'll take a call somewhere else, or, um, you know, I just won't uh, show up for this uh, particular thing. Uh, we, there's all sorts of examples where that's the case, where we we don't feel like it's really our battle or our fight, and so we get out of the way. Jesus, on the other hand, he's the good shepherd. He does what uh, makes no sense at all. He lays down his life to keep sheep safe. Um, and, uh, you know, even I, I'm sure that's that's an odd thing that we can understand as well. You know, um, if you're walking your, your dog... Well, this is a good example. When you're driving your car and the deer runs in front of it, what did your dad tell you? Hit the deer. Hit the deer. Don't swerve into the ditch because it's better for you to kill the deer than for you to get killed in an accident, right? Correct. Jesus is kind of saying the opposite. and In fact, I'd say a sheep is less valuable than a deer, right? They're smaller. Um, They're... um, um, not as much meat on them. Sure, you get some clothing and whatnot, but um, uh, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give my life so that the sheep stays safe. I'm going to die by swerving in the ditch so that the deer is kept safe. And the beauty of it is, is that you, uh, dear listener, are the sheep that he's talking about. You're the one that he gives his life to keep safe. You're the one that he rescues from the wolf or the lion roaring around seeking to devour you. He's the one who rescues you from Satan and death. Okay. So uh, uh, my next two questions you just answered with your with your uh, long answer there. And so I, I appreciate that. But just to, just to highlight that. Um, Appreciate the, you didn't call it rambling answer. Right? Yeah, well, no, that's all right. You just wanted in, you just wanted to in, encompass everything that was in this text. So the good shepherd is Jesus. The sheep, vicar. Who are the sheep? All the people. People, the not just believers, but people in general. Vicar, who's the wolf? Satan. Okay. De- the devil, and then if you want to use the, the devil uh, uh, cubed, the devil, the world, and our flesh, that unholy trinity, all the things that would snatch us out of the good shepherd's hands. Now, in verse 14, Jesus gives us yet another theme in these short verses. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. What is this knowing that uh, Jesus is talking about here with regard to this relationship between sheep and shepherd? Uh, it, it's having a, a 
knowing who each other are, uh, you know, you and I, we know each other, but um, uh, Fred Johnson from Los Angeles, I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. I don't know where he lives. I don't know what he thinks about things. I don't know how he acts. I don't know what he wears. I don't know uh, any of those sorts of things. So Fred Johnson and I do not know each other, but uh, Clint Poppy and I, we do know each other. We have that uh, rapport with one another uh, that's given by the fact that I know your name. I know what you look like. I know where you live. That sounds kind of creepy, right? <laughs> I know what car you drive. Uh, the whole nine yards. We know each other. We have a relationship in that regard. And, uh, you know, you, you joke about that, but knowing someone uh, can be a good thing. Or it can be a bad thing. I mean, a stalker uh, gets to know someone intimately, and with the with the internet and social media, there there's all kinds of evil people with evil intent out there. And so, this knowing is not just a general kind of knowing, but there's something very very specific with regard to this knowledge. And Jesus teaches us that right here in the text. I know my own and my own know me. Verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. What is Jesus teaching us here, Vicar, about the relationship between sheep and shepherd when he compares that relationship to the relationship between Father and Son in the Holy Trinity? Well, they know each other completely and totally. Jesus knows his father so much so that he does everything that his father wills, even giving up his life. He perfectly completes his father's will. And if we know Jesus and he knows us, he also teaches us his word and his will that we should be saved from our sins and live a life of righteousness and purity before him forever. And that's what's kind of going on here, too. Who are these other sheep? pastor that uh, are not of this fold I must bring them also is Jesus telling us that there will be non-Christians in heaven nobody is saying there'll be non uh, formerly Jewish people people not descended from Abraham well that's really good news for the three of us sitting around this table uh, isn't it definitely is Uh, and I think that's the point Uh, he's talking to Jewish people and he says I have other sheep that aren't in this flock but they're still my sheep uh, and they might be from uh, Parthia, they might be from Italy, they might be from Gaul, they might be from Hispania, um, and uh, all those other places, people are going to hear the word and believe the word, hear my voice, he says also in John 10, um, and because they hear my word, they'll also be my sheep. This, uh, this section of Scripture here is often abused, this other sheep. People will look at this and they will try to twist it and shape it into saying that uh, uh, Muslims will be in heaven, that Jews who uh, are true Jews, Orthodox Jews, will be in heaven, that uh, atheists will be in heaven. As long as you're sincere in what you do, Jesus is love, Jesus loves everyone, and yet That is an absolute perversion of what he is talking about. He is not talking about one worldwide generic religion where uh, it's the human equivalent of all dogs go to heaven. He says, they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one 
shepherd. What's the significance of this one flock, one shepherd message that Jesus is talking about here? It's the one holy Christian church on earth that is ruled and governed by our one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, there's nothing outside of that, nothing to add to that. That is what God has established since the very beginning. And that is very, very similar to what uh, Paul teaches us in Ephesians 4. One Lord, one faith, one God and Father of us all who is over all, in all, and through all. We need to take a short break. This is Proclaiming the One. We're looking at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. Don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Proclaiming the One. That was a marvelous, marvelous choral anthem from Concordia Publishing House. The King of Love, My Shepherd Is. We're looking at Good Shepherd Sunday, the third Sunday of Easter in the one-year series. Miss Cordius Domini, the steadfast love of the Lord, is shown in the life, death, and resurrection of the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for wayward sheep like you and me, only to pick it up again three days later. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Sheep. Sheep of all brands, flavors, colors, races, wherever they are located. And to belong to the good shepherd is for the sheep to listen to the voice of the good shepherd and to know him by faith. We want to take a look now as we're continuing this shepherd sheep theme all the way through. We want to look at the Old Testament reading from Ezekiel 34, 11 to 16. You may not be familiar with the book of Ezekiel much. There's a lot of uh, cryptic and apocalyptic language, but here it gets about as plain and simple as it can. Vicar, take it away. Ezekiel 34, 11 to 16. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, And I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. 
Okay, we have Ezekiel's picture of the Good Shepherd, and a lot of what we hear there is very, very familiar. You can hear the echoes of Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm there. But right off the bat, we have uh, something that might catch us a little bit off guard. We have God who normally gives his message and entrusts the care of the sheep to pastors, prophets, under-shepherds, we are sometimes called. And this is what God has done throughout the pages of the Old Testament. And something has happened with God and his toleration for the way the shepherds have been shepherding the sheep. What has led us to the point here, Pastor, so that God, through Ezekiel, says, I'm tired of it. I'm doing it myself. Well, uh, Ezekiel's writing from exile in Babylon. Uh, I can't remember how to pronounce it correctly. The uh, the river or the uh, canal Kabar, uh, which is probably in Iraq today. Uh, and so uh, he's watching and hearing about what's happening as Jerusalem eventually falls to Nebuchadnezzar's army, uh, which is you know, hundreds of miles back to the west from where he lives. And he's uh, prophesying these things from God at the same time that Jerusalem uh, is under siege and falling. And the thing that's happening is is that the pastors and priests uh, and ministers of the, the, the Lord in Jerusalem have not been faithful to the word that God has said. There have been fake prophets that have come up and made up their own messages to the king uh, that haven't matched what God's word has. There's been uh, priests and prophets who have spoken what sounds right at the time and, uh, you know, kind of a social gospel, a, a love everybody gospel. Uh, there's uh, priests and prophets who have uh, led the people astray by this false preaching. And so God says, enough is enough. If you're going to do a bad job at shepherding my people, then I'll step in and do it for you. So God says, I'm going to step in and do it for you. And several times through this text, Ezekiel 34, 11 to 16, he says, I, I myself will shepherd the people. I, I myself. It's sort of like uh, the, the child that is driving the driver's edu- education car and things are going so poorly, the driver's education teacher or mom and dad who's ever in the car said, I'm taking over. Get out of the way. Get from behind the wheel. I'm driving. I can't take this anymore. This is, uh, again, every analogy breaks down. But this is kind of a picture of what God has done. God is fed up with the way that the people have been taken care of by their shepherds. Their shepherds have not been faithful. In so doing, the sheep have strayed and they have wandered. Now, Vicar, I know you're a cattle boy, not a sheep boy, but what happens when the livestock wanders? What's the problem? Well, normally when the livestock wander, they're going somewhere that they ought not to go. Uh, We used to have pastures that had deep ponds on them. They were uh, dugout sand pits. Sometimes they'd get 30 foot deep, and they were fenced off. But every now and then, instead of drinking from the water trough, which we had for them, which had fresh water continually pouring into it, 
they'd sneak through the fence, and they'd go for a swim, and often they wouldn't come back. And so when they wander so da- off. So wander off could lead to danger. Yep. Danger, okay. Um, uh, danger of drowning, danger of, you know, wild animals, something like that. Uh, what else happens when they wander off? Then you have to go and look for them. <laughs> They're no longer right there with you or uh, somebody else could come and snatch them away. So you make every effort to go out and find them. Okay, so they could get hurt, they could be in danger, they could be uh, eaten by wild animals, they could be stolen by unscrupulous people. There's nothing good that can happen when the livestock, and here, the sheep, wander off. So, in Ezekiel, God says, I'm taking over. And one of the things that I'm going to do is I am going to seek out the scattered sheep. I will rescue them from the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. Okay, so we have lots of sheep and shepherd images here. Connect the dots for us because Ezekiel is not talking about literal sheep and literal shepherds. Who is Ezekiel talking about and why is that good news for me? This is one of the prophecies from the Old Testament that teaches that the coming Messiah will actually be God in the flesh. Uh, That's not something that us Christians made up uh, after Jesus was born and died. Uh, It's actually foretold right here. God himself will be the shepherd who will come and through the preaching of his word and through the actions of his own uh, life, death, and resurrection uh, in Jerusalem uh, will make people into Christians, bring them back into God's sheepfold, bring them back into God's kingdom, uh, the kingdom that has no end and uh, has peace and joy forever. So that's what this is all talking about. Jesus is the shepherd seeking the flock. Uh, He goes out into all places of the world. There's not a single place where his uh, gospel has not gone in this day and age, except for maybe 20,000 people living in the jungles of South America. uh, That's the only place where people have not heard the gospel. Call day's coming up, Vicar. That's right. (laughs) Uh, And and those uncontacted people are usually uncontacted for a reason. was when contact has tried to take place, uh, it's not gone well, or we don't want to get them sick with our diseases. So Jesus sent his word out through the preaching and teaching of pastors, uh, the prophylic, uh the Bible's being written and spread around, and uh, Pro- all that proliferation. There's the that, word. I knew that was the word you were fishing for. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't say the word that almost came out. I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the the word has gone out and created faith, and God is now bringing them to the mountains of Israel, or in other words, into His own kingdom. Uh, so that there he might feed them with his own body and blood uh, and give them the food of life. Okay, so the last thing we want to look at in this text, and I know we're covering a lot of ground pretty quickly here, but in Ezekiel thirty-four eleven to 16, we have that last verse that, again, we've got, we've got this whole section here talking about the love of the shepherd seeking the lost and going out and finding and bringing back and making them lie down and giving them good pasture. And in verse 16, we have kind of a law gospel 
distinction here. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Now, I'm not a sheep farmer, but it would seem to me that I would want my sheep fat and strong before I take them to market. Pastor, what's going on here in verse 16? You don't want them fat and strong at the expense of all the other sheep. You know what I mean? Uh, These are the ones who... uh, Jesus says in the Gospels, only the sick need a doctor, the healthy don't. And it's not saying that there are some who are healthy and some who are sick. He's rather saying some people aren't smart enough to go to the doctor. Uh, They don't realize their illness uh, until it's too late. And that's the same sort of thing Jesus is saying here. These are the ones who don't have faith, uh, who refuse to have faith, who go off and graze on their own and think they've got it um, made in the shade until at last that final trumpet call sounds and they realize the mistake they've made. Is it possible, and I'm just, again, shooting from the hip here, is it possible that the ones who are fat and strong are the false shepherds? Well, definitely uh, that would fall into it. I'd say the um, the kings, all the people that are have no need of God that trust in themselves, and those false shepherds would fall into that. that. That have gotten fat at the expense of the sheep that they were there to take care of. Correct. And God is going to uh, pay them back with justice. They're going to get what they deserve. You want to try to do this thing apart from my love, my steadfast love, my Savior Jesus Christ, good luck. You're on your own. This is Pastor Clint Poppy. Vicar uh, Albert Bader, Pastor Adam Moline. We serve at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're looking at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter, Good Shepherd Sunday in the one-year series. Please join us each Sunday at 8 and 10.30 with Sunday School for All Ages in between, Wednesday evening, 6.30. We'll look at these readings, we'll sing these hymns, and we'll have a great time together under the steadfast love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to take a short break. Don't change that dial. K-N-N-A-L-P 95.7 FM Lincoln, Nebraska Welcome back to Proclaiming the One, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Bader. We're looking at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. In part one of uh, this episode, we looked at the introit for the third Sunday of Easter, sections of Psalm 33. In part two, we looked at the gospel reading, John 10, 
11 to 16. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In part three, we looked at the Old Testament reading, Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel's picture of the good shepherd, where God says, I, I myself will do it. And we know that he does it in the person and work of his son, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. The, in this uh, final segment, we're going to be looking at the epistle reading for the third Sunday of Easter, 1 Peter 2, 21 to 25. You'll see that this also carries along that sheep-shepherd imagery that we're looking at on this steadfast love of the Lord Sunday, Miscordius Domini. Be reminded that uh, our Proclaiming the One radio programs, archives, uh, our worship services here at Good Shepherd, as well as any other self-generated programs that we do here at Good Shepherd, including but not limited to the newest edition, the uh, music theology combo that uh, Pastor Moline has been working on and has already made its debut, Bringing Bach Back. Check out the archive sections and enjoy www.thecross957.org. Vicar, we want to look uh, in our final segment here at the epistle reading, 1 Peter 2, 21-25, please. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We have that uh, straying connection there at the end of First Peter two twenty one to twenty five, and that makes us think about that straying picture in imagery from Ezekiel thirty four, how God says, "I, I myself, will uh, go after the straying sheep," but. That really comes toward the end here, and that's almost an afterthought. At the beginning, we have a uh, topic that Christians don't like to deal with. We have a topic that Christians are sometimes very uncomfortable with and would just as soon avoid. Um, As we've said numerous times here, the epistle reading is very often, I would go so far as to say 99.9% of the time, a practical application of everything that we've read so far. And the practical application of the fact that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, the practical application for the Christian of the fact that we hear his voice and follow him, the practical application of the fact that we know and cling to the chesed, the steadfast love of the Lord, is that, are you ready for this? Sit down, buckle up, brace yourself. We will suffer. We will suffer. First Peter is written to a bunch of Christians who are suffering tremendous persecution. For to this you have been called. Pastor, The this here is 
suffering, which is clear by the rest, second part of the voice. Can you give us a little background as to the kind of suffering that early Christians endured and how that might connect us to the suffering that Christians endure today? Yeah, um, and especially this uh, verse, this this refers to the verse right before that where uh, what credit is it if when you sin you are beaten for it and you endure, but if when you do good and you suffer for it you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. The suffering that early Christians face is uh, uh, rather difficult to think about and consider, uh, especially uh, started to increase under the reign of Emperor Nero. Uh, He uh, blamed uh, the burning of Rome upon Christians, and St. Peter himself will be uh, killed for that. Uh, There were Christians in that persecution that were used as uh, torches to light the streets. Uh, They were crucified. Peter himself crucified upside down. They were fed to beasts. Um, The uh, Flavian Amphitheater, the Colosseum, was not built yet, but it happened in the Circus Maximus and in other places uh, in Rome. Uh, In uh, Israel, uh, we know St. Stephen was stoned to death for confessing the faith. We had other Christians who were beaten and killed for Uh, the faith, uh, and it even uh, increases after the time of St. Peter, where Christians are skinned alive. Uh, St. Lawrence is famous for being grilled alive. Uh, He made the great confession uh, halfway through his martyrdom, I'm done on this side, flip me over. Uh, And uh, just kind of a brave thing to say, mocking death, because his faith was in Jesus and in the resurrection, and he knew that the things he was facing was not his ultimate end. The uh, the kind of suffering that we as Christians today uh, endure are uh, very, very pale in comparison. You know, when our cable TV goes out for a weekend, we think we are suffering. When we have persistent toenail fungus, we think we are suffering. The, uh, the kind of things that we label and classify as suffering, I mean, it's embarrassing. It's yeah. embarrassing. And what if I'm hearing you right, Pastor, the kind of suffering you t- you're talking about here is specifically the suffering that we endure from the devil, the world, and our flesh because we are making the good confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is that correct? That's correct. And just to be clear, you know, we talked about the ancient suffering that still happens today. ISIS crucified Christians in uh, the parts of Syria and Iraq that they captured. Uh, ISIS beheaded 40 Christians uh, on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and uh, in China, there's Christians who have been in prisons without uh, food uh, for for long periods of time, suffering, uh, just surviving on the bare minimums. Um, and uh, this similar thing sort of happened in uh, uh, Soviet Russia in the past as well as the church was uh, uh, stomped out and eliminated and, and tried to got, be gotten rid of. And so don't think these sorts of things don't still happen. And, and one step more, don't think that they couldn't happen uh, even here uh, in the United States to us Christians today. And uh, take pause right now as you're hearing this program and give thanks 
for the fact that we enjoy the freedoms that we have in this country. We are not being actively and openly persecuting for persecuted for our confession of Jesus Christ. And uh, there are many of our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world who are and uh, offer up a prayer that God would protect them and keep them strong in the faith. Uh, we have so much that we take for granted here in, uh, in the Lutheran Church, in Lincoln, Nebraska, in the United States of America. Jesus as example. Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Vicar, we don't often talk about Jesus as example because Jesus is so much more than an example. He's our Savior. Why is it a problem if we fail to think about Jesus ever as our example? Because then we'll have nothing to strive for in this life. How, how would we know how to live and how to be Christians if we were not mirroring or trying to mirror Christ and what he has done for us? He, uh, uh, we have multiple commands in Scripture. Be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. How do we know what that holiness looks like? Well, we look to the Ten Commandments, but we also look to the example of Jesus Christ. And now we have a specific example that is given here in our text about how we should live our lives with regard to the example of Jesus Christ. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And now here's the toughie, verse 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Pastor, this is the example of Jesus, and these words are true here in 1 Peter 2. Uh, is there any way that I can live up to that example that Jesus gives me. I want to pay an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, it's an interesting uh, question that you asked in that regard. Um, on your own, no. You mean that you would automatically think if someone is persecuting you, you'd think they uh, deserve worse than whatever you're getting. But the reality then is, and we see this in some of the ancient accounts of martyrs, is that when the martyrdom is coming and happening, uh, in faith, uh, a Christian can follow the example of Christ. And, and we need to make sure, too, that this this is made clear that the example of Christ also means you don't seek it out for yourself. You don't go and try to get yourself martyred. If it finds you, uh, that's God's will, so be it. Uh, but you don't purposely put yourself in the position to be martyred. Uh, and, and when that time comes, in faith, God gives the strength uh, to to carry you through that martyrdom and into eternal life that comes later. And that's only by faith that uh, you can get through that martyrdom um, or persecution uh, in an honorable fashion. The only way that we can live up to this example, even, even partially, is in verse 24, he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin, and live to righteousness. Vicar, what are we talking about when God exhorts us to die to sin and live for righteousness? 
Well, for us today, it would start by each and every day remembering our baptism, how that God has killed that old Adam, that old Eve, by drowning it in the waters of our baptism and raised us up as a new creature to live before him in righteousness and purity forever. Uh, And that's what we do daily in this life as we continually confess our sins and have faith that clings to Christ in the forgiveness of those sins. The last verse of our epistle reading, Pastor, for you were straying like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Uh, How did that happen? Uh, Did I find the right path? Did I make the right decision? Did I pray the right prayer? Did I open up the Gideon Bible to the right page? How did this happen? How did I return to the shepherd, the good shepherd and overseer of my soul? Uh, the Holy Spirit called you by the gospel, enlightened you with his gifts, and sanctified and brought you into the one true faith. Uh, you yourself uh, could not, by your own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord, or come to him. It has to be the Holy Spirit's work through word and sacrament. Thanks be to God that God does it all. Otherwise, if any of it were up to us, How would we know that we had ever done enough? We would live our lives constantly in doubt. Vicar, would you close us off with the collect of the day for the third Sunday of Easter? Let us pray. O God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness and eternal joys. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. For Pastor Moline and Vicar Bader, I am Pastor Poppy. Thank you for tuning in to Proclaiming the One, third Sunday of Easter. So Sunday morning when you get up, read your paper, drink your coffee, pray for your pastor, and go to church. And experience the steadfast love of the Lord for you. God's blessings in Christ. Amen.